On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm really excited to talk to Shalene Shaw. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Lori? I'm very good. So you have some really cool stuff going on, you sanctuaries and all sorts of stuff. So first of all, I just really like for people to kind of just introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about who you are, your work, and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Um, Well, I'm Shalene and I was, uh, you know, I was born in India, moved to the States when I was 10. Um, and actually started my first business when I was 15. I've uh, been a serial entrepreneur ever since. Um, and more recently, uh, in the past six years, my entrepreneurship has focused on, uh, on nonprofits. Um, my wife and I, we founded Love and Arms Animal Sanctuary, as well as OpenSanctuary.org, um, uh, amongst other uh, other ventures in the plant-based and vegan movement, um, you know, we hope to help people go uh, go plant-based and save the world uh, and themselves <laughs> and lots of animals in the process. That's just just a small amount of things that have to be done here. <laughs> so that's let's start back to also what was your history of entering into kind of this plant-based space because we all kind of have our Sometimes we're born into it, but others, you know, fall into it. What was your your journey? Yeah, um, it was actually uh, my wife. Um, She was the inspiring, fearless, uh, you know, leader in our larger family to to go vegan first. Um, But she was inspired by our first son. Um, He was born um, in in 2011 and very quickly realized that he was having um, problems in digesting. Um, when he would nurse, he would, uh, you know, throw up and was not thriving. And luckily we had a very good holistic minded pediatrician, um, who instead of prescribing all sorts of medicine said, you know, try this elimination diet and dairy was the number one on that list. And as soon as Shopee stopped dairy, he was like within two days all of it cleared up, he started thriving. And that made her really think about, you know, like what's going on with dairy? Isn't that supposed to be good for us? And, you know, why why is my son having these issues? And then she really dug in and, and started connecting, you know, the ethical side of, you know, uh, he's like the babies are taken away from the mom and she connected that with her and our son and it just, it clicked you know, very quickly. Um, that's amazing yeah no absolutely it it didn't doesn't it surprise you when when you kind of get like blinders being taken off like why didn't I make this connection before it's like cows milk grows cows to a thousand pounds or so a year in the first year what is it going to do to a little human body or an adult body it was well I it really is (laughs) shocking to yourself when you're you look back and go what was I thinking (laughs) (laughs) um but it is but there's just so many of us that are kind of taken in by the uh, different type of industry. Speaking of industries, you know, the plant-based movement is certainly, I feel like growing, or maybe it's because I'm in this amazing style and it seems to be getting bigger. Um, What do you think as far as like the plant-based alternatives, where do you see us going in the future? 
it's 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 absolutely exciting. I, I think yeah, the I have a feeling that not a feeling, but I I I, <laughs> I would bet somebody you know that I think we will see a majority plant based or you know vegan world um, in our lifetime. You know, yeah. I think that it's it's going to happen. And what's most amazing to me is that I think it will happen without majority of the population not even realizing that they're eating vegan. That um, oh. you know, the the, te- the food technology will just get so good at replicating and mimicking, or even you know creating bioidenticals um, to animal-based products that you know the industry is just going to switch to those alternatives because they will taste the same. Um, look the same, smell the same, cost maybe even less than what the animal products are and are far better for the environment. Um, and, and that switch will happen and most people buying their food at the grocery store will have no idea that it's all, it's all vegan. I, I, you know, I think that's, that's, that's where we're headed. Awesome. So has there been movements in like, you know, larger corporations that were traditionally you know, using animal products, moving towards plant-based products as well, investments and other organizations picking that. Because, you know, you hear about smaller mom-and-pop plant-based companies being taken up by these really large, like, other, you would think Tyson is chicken and, you know, but they're actually taking in other things. Any, can you give us a little feedback on what's going on there? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, like, I've, I've, Tyson has now started thinking about themselves as a protein company instead of a chicken company. Um, and, you know, protein, they recognize the, the issues of raising chickens and, and you know, it, it's a highly inefficient process of producing protein. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into creating the food that the, the birds have to eat. And then, you know, the, the ratio of raw food to the end proteins, it's, it's highly inefficient. Yeah. So they are making more and more investments into alternative proteins. And I think m- many other companies are paying attention um, yeah. to that space. Um, you know, and there's plant-based, there's recombinant, there is, you know, uh, precision fermentation, there is, uh, you know, and, and far into the future is cellular-based as well. So there's, there's a lot of technologies that are coming into play that will help make those shifts. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of traditional companies are paying attention. Could you go back and explain some of those technologies that that's for those of us who may be unfamiliar with those terms? Yeah, absolutely. So plant-based is just as it sounds, it's very, it's, it's made out of plants. Um, precision fermentation is, um, you know, there's technologies that um, essentially take microbes and ferment them, you know, they're, these are specialized microbes either found in nature or genetically modified to produce a certain result. Um, and the fermentation process creates the end, end results that are necessary. So a really great example of a company is Perfect Day. Um, they are producing bioidentical um, cow milk proteins for food, uh, food production. And they've done that by genetically modifying a microorganism that produces, um, you know, produces whey and, and other proteins that they then mix with plant-based uh, fats and sugars, and they create a bioidentical milk product that is 100% vegan, ethical. Um, I, I won't necessarily say like it's better for your health, but 
um, because bioidentical things, I mean, you know, cow's milk isn't that great for us. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming that bioidentical, not, you know, products not coming from non-cows are probably just not as good, mm -hmm. but their product there um, is, is really good. You know, there's an ice cream company called uh, Brave Robot that's essentially a spinoff from their company that uses this product and that ice cream, like it, it, yeah, we tried it and it took us back. Like it has that same mouthfeel, that creaminess. Wow. You, know, you kind of get that fleminess in the back of your throat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the unpleasantness <laughs> of that. <laughs> um, but it was, it was incredible. So like thinking wow. about that for the future. Um, and then, so recombinants, you know, there's kind of a mix of, mix of the two world. Um, you know, like the, the heme in, I believe it's uh, beyond, beyond me, you know, they have the heme protein. So that's mm. from precision fermentation, whereas most of their other uh, ingredients are plant-based. Mm. Um, and then cellular is literally taking a cell from an animal without harming them and then growing a whole, uh, whole you know, uh, you know, meat alternatives. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, we hear about, um, there's, you know, there's a, I think just in Singapore, um, is, is producing chicken nuggets that you can actually wow. buy commercially in very low volume, very high dollars, but right. it, it's happening. Um, wow. so there's some very exciting things in the space, um, that are, I think, moving the needle faster. Um, which I think is very, uh, you know, very, very good for the planet, for us as humans as well as the animals. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a triple win there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as it hits the you know a, a, the price point, I think that's where you're going to really see the kind of the critical mass things start accumulating and really moving things forward. When those technologies can be less of a novelty, but more of a like, wow, this is a better alternative all around, including the pocketbook. So, wow, yeah. that's so cool. Um, so could you tell us a little bit, I really would like to get into the love in arms because I love your website. So I was like scrolling through and reading all the stories, the animals, that was really awesome. And uh, there's, some, there's some really cute ones in there. But could you give us an idea of, you know, how that all came about and <clears throat> how you guys were inspired to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we went vegan, um, and to be honest, we didn't even know there was a vegan movement at that point. We did not have a single family or friend that we could share a vegan meal with. Wow. Um, up until uh, so 2014, my second son was born. And at that point, we just all of a sudden, we started getting animals in our lives. It, it felt like we were being drawn to animals. Um, and how that materialized for us was, um, you know, I, I got back into horse riding. I used to horse ride in India. Um, and then I started horse riding around the time when my son was born. And then we ended up adopting a horse, Holly. Um, she was a, a rescue um, from a neglectful situation, but we adopted her. <clears throat> and it was the first time, because she was also the first pet in, in the house. You know, we, we, we didn't, we haven't had any other pets before that. Mm. Um, and it was the first time when I really connected with a horse for who she was instead oh. of what I wanted out of the horse. Wow. So um, she really opened my eyes into, you know, all of our eyes, really into just how sentient they are, how incredibly 
um, you know, social, emotional, cognitive, you know, skills that they have. Um, and it became very clear to me that, you know, she has a will of her own and me mm. riding her um, was me subjugating my will upon mm. her. And so we stopped, I stopped, I stopped writing. Um, and that really kind of opened up our eyes to like, okay, well, what else is happening here? And mm. we wanted to rescue more horses because we read about all the horrible things that happened to them. You know, mm. everything from racing to, I mean, there are uh, nurse mares that are mares just to give milk to racehorses and their babies are killed off. And there is tremorin wow. where, you know, horses are kept pregnant and their urine is collected to make this, you know, menopause medicine. Um, there's all this stuff happening just, you know, in the horse world. Um, and so we ended up doing some more horse rescues. <clears throat> and one of them was at a slaughter auction in Fort Collins. And uh, I went there to rescue them um, with some cash and, and I had to wait six hours for them to come to the auction floor because there were hundreds of other animals, farm animals, mm. that are being kicked, pushed, prodded into this floor being sold by the pound. And you could see in their faces, their eyes, the emotion. And it was an incredibly moving experience. We rescued the horses. There was, there was a mare, Belle, and, and two babies that were there with her. Um, we rescued them, but it, it felt like we didn't do anything. It felt mm -hmm. like, um, you know, there were so many others. And mm -hmm. if only we had land, because the horses mm -hmm. were being boarded. Um, so we didn't have any land of our own. And so we decided if only we had land, we could have saved some others. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that very night, I get a phone call from somebody we knew that, hey, there's 23 acres, two miles from your house. Do you know someone who can who can use that, um, <laughs> that's available for lease. And it felt very much like the universe was calling us to do something. Mm -hmm. and <clears throat> so uh, we, we spent a night really contemplating it. We had two very little ones. Our youngest was barely one years old. Um, and, uh, you know, we decided that, you know, we need to do this. And so we signed the lease the next day. Wow. We had never taken care of animals. Our horses were boarded. We had never taken care of land. And I could barely swing a hammer to fix things. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a crazy move, um, but, but we did. And somehow a community formed around it. And we had you know strangers coming out of all sorts of places to come and help. And that's when we first realized that there's a vegan community in this in here uh, in, in around Boulder and, and mm -hmm. everywhere. And there's a movement and we are now an accidental part of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was great. Um, it led us to learn a significant amount of things. And it's been six years. Um, we've rescued over 800 lives. Um, wow. We have we do a lot of placements. We have about 113 at the sanctuary. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've created a philosophy of what we are doing at Love and Arms and all of that came after starting at Love and Arms. So, mm. um, yeah, but it's, it's been an amazing journey and there's you know, just an incredible community around, you know, to help. Absolutely. You know, because you mentioned on your mission state, the HEMSA, could you explain what that is for those who aren't familiar yeah. with the term? Absolutely. So my wife and I, we were born and raised as Jains. Um, Jainism is a religion 
out of India. That's a fairly small group. I think there's just a handful of millions of people in the world that are Jains. But the core philosophy of Jainism is nonviolence, which is ahimsa. Mm -hmm. um, and that nonviolence is not just physical violence, but it is in our actions, in our thoughts, in our speech. Um, it is in you know, everything that we do. So it is about understanding the harm that we cause on a day-to-day -day basis and then working um, to reduce that harm. <clears throat> um, so it's amazing having grown up in that culture and to think back that we were still participating as in, in the dairy industry. Um, and, you know, and so we were vegetarian, but, but consumed dairy. Um, but you know, so what we do at Love and Arms is an extension of those values. It is about you know putting himself into action, helping inspire others um, to committing to nonviolence in their lives um, and spreading compassion. Mm, I love that. Um, so many uh, people, I think, really want to do that, but they struggle and how to do that. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, do you have any advice for those? Because I know you guys do tours and different things and have yeah. experts come out to your place there. What have you found that is some good advice for people getting started who really want to live this lifestyle, but maybe are a little struggling? Like, how do I even begin this journey of living yeah. ahimsa? <laughs> yeah, I think, first of all, people have to really kind of give themselves a lot of space and a lot of um, understanding of for themselves because this kind of change is difficult. So, you know, it, you, you first have to kind of give yourselves compassion. You know, mm. the, the lifestyle that, that we are kind of born into, I mean, it, there's generationals, right? Like it's, it's, you know, the way we eat is the way our parents ate and their parents ate. And, um, you know, so you first have to kind of give yourselves that grace and then understand that it's a journey. And that journey mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, reached on a step-by-step -step basis. You know, you just mm -hmm. take your first step. Um, so if you want to go plant-based, if you want to go vegan, start somewhere small and, 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 and then keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And what helps a lot of people come to Love in Arms is creating that connection with an animal resident. Um, it's very difficult to continue to eat, um, you know, uh, pig products, um, ham or bacon. Once you get to really connect and meet with a pig that you can you know call by name and can picture their personality and you know their love for life because that's exactly how all of the tens of millions of pigs that are being raised for food are like um mm -hmm. so it's that connection um that does help inspire a lot of people into moving in that direction mm -hmm. Absolutely, because it's those small collections, right? So millions of people, billions of people making one small decision every day that really can make a big difference right. for everyone. So yeah. definitely, I agree with that. And it starts with compassion with yourself before anyone else, right? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like you have to love yourself before you can love others. You, you have to give yourself compassion for where you are in life before you can uh, extend that to others. Very cool. So you guys are in Erie, Colorado, and... What other programs do you offer? I know you give tours and some other things, but what else should someone be looking for when they're on your website? Yeah, um, so we, we do pre-pandemic, we used to have a lot of in-person events. We hope to go back to that. 
Um, we've been doing many things virtually more recently, um, but there's all sorts. I mean, we do cooking demos, we have nutrition classes, we have, um, we actually have a software that we've partnered with Lighter Nutrition to provide to people, uh, which is an incredible meal planning service. Uh, mm. So if you're looking to say, okay, well, I wanna cook vegan, but I don't know where to start, this is a great tool that allows you to say, well, this is how much time I have. These are the tools I have in my kitchen um, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it will help you make um, you know, all of the meal plans and give you the grocery list. Like it's super easy. Wow. Um, you know, so we provide that. We do, you know, we've done cardiologists, you know, plant-based cardiologists coming out. We've done uh, kind of, you know, really great like vegan farm-to-table dinners. Um, we've had plant-based athletes come to the sanctuary and give, um, you know, on a panel and, and give talks because mm. you know, people come to this from all sorts of different perspectives and not all of them are going to be convinced on an ethical level. They mm. first sometimes may be convinced on, you know, I want to do this for my health, um, for longevity or because, you know, I have card, you know, cardiac disease or have, you know, obesity or, just any of those, or they're focused on being a really great athlete and they can come from that angle, or they want to start with just, um, you know, more, uh, more <clears throat> kind of planet-friendly um, beauty products. You know, there's all these different ways that people come to this, but then, you know, we think of that as, you know, this is your first step. It's the first door that you've opened, but there's others and you slowly lead down that, that path and people eventually do come to that ethical realization. Um, and what we've found is, you know, many people, they'll become plant-based for these variety of reasons, but then they stay, they stick to that. They become vegan when they, you know, when they get to the animals and they really mm -hmm. make that connection. Um, mm -hmm. And that really helps them kind of you know, move that forward so mm -hmm. no I agree I, you know uh and we we entered this about 10 years ago not even for health reasons it was just because I had a patient who had significant improvement and I was like convinced by the science I was like this is just the mm -hmm. right thing to do right. and um that happens right so over time as you learn and I started this podcast five years ago and you're interviewing you know directors of amazing films like you know, uh, earthlings and game changers and all these incredible people. And they're telling you their stories and their connection with animals. And you just, and then of course we've always had pets ever since I was a little kid and the kids and, you know, just looking back at the animals as they're into distinct um, personalities, like you said, and connecting to them. And it just really makes it hard. Honestly, I can't even go down the meat aisle now. Like I, I, the, the, the dairy aisle, the meat aisle, I just like, it, it, it's 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 physically disturbing to me <clears throat> and so it's really it's just a, it's a fascinating transition and growth I think of the spirit and the mind as you get exposed um so tell us a little bit speaking of the animals are there any fun favorite stories you have or some of the more moving um you know like I like the one in four columns where you're talking about you're saving yeah. a horse and two fools but there's just so many others do are there any moving and things or events that happened that really changed you even further? Yeah, there, there's so many. Um, <laughs> yeah, because each each one of the individuals there has you know has their own story of kind of the 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 challenges that they came from. Um, but you know the the one that 
really spoke to me was, uh, you know, in, in 2019 December, sorry, um, 2018 December, we did uh, a, a large rescue um, that was uh, in, in LaSalle, Colorado. So there was a, um, they, they said, you know, their label was a humane chicken farm um, and they were going bankrupt. They had over mm. 35,000 birds in four buildings. Oh my um, gosh. They, well, they'd already gone bankrupt. So they didn't have money for food or electricity or you know, heat uh, in these buildings. And it was the middle of Colorado winter. Oh, wow. um, there, there was birds that were freezing to death. They were hungry, they were cannibalizing each other. It was an incredibly sad situation. Um, but you know, we went in uh, and, and were able to rescue about 650 of the lives there. Um, there were other uh, rescues here in Colorado, some of the other sanctuaries that also rescued several hundred. Um, but it was, it was such a, it felt like you know, we were able to help so many lives, but at the same time, it was tiny compared to how massive the problem is. Mm. You know, just in that one farm, there were 35,000 we rescued, you know, with all the rescues combined, you know, less than 1,500. And, you know, it's so that, and then just being in that space, seeing how they were kept, how they lived, seeing the medical issues that came out of that, um, and just understanding that, you know, this was kind of that antibiotic free and, and more humane farm. Um, but when you think about that, you know, the reason why there's antibiotic use in these massive scale farms is because there's so much disease in this, in this very confined space. And when you raise antibiotic free animals, you're essentially giving them a life of suffering because they are diseased and there is you know, issues with their health. And now you're not providing them the medicine that they need. So you can say that this meat was raised antibiotic free. Um, you know, so there's all these things that you came out of that experience um, that is, you know, it, it, it speaks volumes to the challenges that we're up against. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the individuals from there um, that we rescued, they healed, they connected and created bonds with a lot of our, you know, human volunteers and caregivers. And they are just some of the most precious, amazing individuals. Um, mm. And, you know, one of the programs we have at Love and Arms is we, we do a lot for, um, for personal and in individual enrichment. Um, you know, we create a individual enrichment plan for each of their animal residents that's at the sanctuary. Um, and, you know, that, that spans in many, many different facets, but one of them is that kind of mental stimulation as well as connecting and bonding with a caregiver um, and uh, providing care without fear, right? So because mm. we uh, don't have a shared language, so even providing care, like weighing them on a scale or, um, you know, wrapping their feet when they have a bumblefoot, like there's all these care processes that lots of times animals don't know what's happening and they are afraid. Mm. So to counter that and provide them enrichment and mental stimulation, we have a program called Clicker Play. So it's kind of like clicker, you know, training with dogs, but we do that in a play, like in a play mode. It, sometimes it doesn't have an, an end goal in mind. It's more of kind of the 
get to interact one-on-one -on -one with the caregiver. They get <laughs> to do um, you know, new and novel uh, things. They are learning different things. Um, so what's amazing is you know, one of the chickens from this rescue, um, Gracie, she is incredibly smart. You see that in clicker play, like she learns things very fast. Um, you know, like she can, uh, things like, you know, she started by ringing a bell. Um, she can distinguish between blue and purple. She can, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, so she, she, her favorite thing to do is spin. Um, like, <laughs> uh, she comes by her name. She's, you know, she's in a flock and what, when her, um, you know, person comes to her to, with clicker play, she calls out by name and she comes running because she's excited. Oh. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's that story, like where she came from, the situation she was in, but now she's at a place where she can truly shine as an individual and people can get to know her for who she is. And that makes an incredible difference. Because a lot of times people come to the sanctuary and they're like, you know, I get the mammals, I connect with them, I can connect with a pig or I can connect with a sheep. But chickens, I just can't connect to, right? Because they're, they're as a species, they're so different from us. Um, some people have a hard time connecting. And when, then one time we had a farmer who was there with a bigger church group doing volunteerism. And they were having these conversations about, okay, well, I, I get leaving, you know, meat from the mammals, but chickens, I just can't connect. And they're, they're not that smart anyways. Like, why does it matter? But then they, he saw... Gracie doing clicker play and he, he literally couldn't watch. He turned around, he was crying and he's like, I, oh. I didn't know. Like, you know, there's, oh. so making those connections is, right. is incredible. And that happens with their stories of mm. where they came from and who they are. Um, and it's, yeah, it's so powerful. That is powerful because it really is removing our judgment that someone has value based on our own characteristics, right? So we're placing human characteristics on a different species. And if they don't confirm to confine, somehow conform to that, that they're less valuable and worth, they're expendable. That, that yeah. is kind of where we're at, the, at least I think so. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Incredible. So when you think about all these people that come to you, you guys are, you're asking for volunteers and all these different things. What can we do as a community to help support you? Like, what are you needing? How can people connect? What, what would you as a organization like to see happen in your future? And how can we help that? Yeah. Um, so the future for us is finding ways. So I'll kind of step back. I guess our philosophy is we can't we can't tell anybody to change, right? Mm -hmm. Just like telling someone go vegan doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even just providing them with knowledge or information is not enough to make them go vegan. Um, what we feel works the most is inspiration. Mm -hmm. like being inspired as an individual to make a big change is what's required to make that change. So we are working to create a sanctuary that that is inspirational you know so that comes from uh you know the level of care that we provide our individual residents and then being able to demonstrate it you know at an inspirational level mm -hmm. um you know we want to do an art program so you know animals uh farm animals in art you know become inspirational because you know as, as humans we connect that as well they're worthy 
you know, even the sanctuary facilities that we're building, um, our future plans are to create a animal centric design that is built specifically for different species um, and create an environment where as you walk through, you can feel inspiration in just the space. Hmm. But it doesn't look like any farm, but it instead looks like a village, a community mm -hmm. home for the animals. Um, you know, so that's that's the future of the sanctuary. Um, but you know, everything we've achieved in the past six years is because of the community of thousands of volunteers, um, and we're always seeking like-minded, passionate volunteers um, to to join us and and help build this uh, this future. Awesome. And the website is lovinarms, L-U-V-I-N-A-R-M-S dot org. That's right. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what Open Sanctuary is? Yeah. Um, so when we first started Love in Arms six years ago, we had no idea, like I said, how to even care for the farmed animals, what to do, what the building should look like, what their homes, what kinds of medical challenges they have. We have absolutely no idea. Mm. Googling for that information, you end up finding, you know, information of how to, you know, essentially grow a pig for food versus how to care for them for their lives. Mm. Um, and each of these species, because they're farmed and they are um, selectively bred over many, many generations, over tens of thousands of years, um, they have very acute, very specific medical issues. You know, like pigs are raised to, you know, gain 300 pounds in the first eight to nine months of their lives so then they can be slaughtered at that age. They have all sorts of issues when they live beyond that, you know, yeah. so there's arthritis, there's, um, you know, there's, there's skin cancers because factory farm pigs are bred to be very light skinned because that makes for a lighter colored meat. Um, oh. And, you know, there's all sorts of skin cancers with birds, there's ovarian cancers and egg laying chickens, there's also all of these issues that were not very apparent when we first started, there was not oh. enough information. So Open Sanctuary was created um, about three years ago. Um, we, we luckily we got a grant and that allowed us to start this and that has now grown. Um, it is essentially, it's a free resource for anyone in the world who is interested in starting, running, or growing a farm animal sanctuary, however mm -hmm. small to however big. Um, it provides hundreds of well-researched, well-documented articles that you know, show how to care for these animals, how to you know, give them the best possible lives, uh, how to give them an enriching life, um, as well as it provides other information on how to uh, manage and grow in nonprofit. Uh, that focuses in this area. Um, so we've, uh, you know, we've been able to reach well over, I think about 1.3 million page views over the past three years. Wow. Um, you know, there's many articles that are available in multiple languages now. Um, and it's, it's our way of helping spread this information, democrat democratizing this information so many more people can help farmed animals. Absolutely. How many sanctuaries are in the United States? Do you know, or even in other countries? Are I'm assuming the United States is one of the most common. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the US is probably one of the bigger ones. Um, it's it's hard to come by that data, but from what we have, um, 
I think we're close to 300 sanctuaries here in the U.S. of varied sizes, um, but there's at least 300 that have connected with us in one way or the other. Um, wow. And then there's, of course, hundreds of others all around the world. Um, so I think our, our database is you know, close to about 600. Wow. Wow. It's so small, to, but there's just so much more that should and can be done. Goodness yeah. gracious. Um, and then as far as your um, personal uh, journey and where you'd like to see others be able to go. I mean, it was so I, I kind of wanted to dive in a little bit because you had talked about, you know, treating and talking to the the animal growth and stuff, but you saw yourself change, you gave up riding horses. So what is the personal journeys you've seen of besides, you know, like the farmer crying, he's like, wow, I just didn't know. Is there any other stories of individuals, humans, who you've seen the sanctuary change or just your uh, being in touch with you in your operation? Yeah, I think, you know, that that change is, uh, is, is always a constant, I think, at webinars. Mm. People come, um, you know, one of the core philosophies of webinars is being uh, very, very open. So it's, you don't have to be vegan or even vegetarian to come and volunteer at webinars or visit. You know, we are very open and accepting of everyone who, wherever they are in their life journey, um, to come and be part of the community. And that, that change just happens on its own. Just really spending time with the animals is all it takes to inspire that change. Absolutely. Um, so those those stories are, are you know very <laughs> bountiful at love and arms. Yeah. Very cool. So wonderful. And um, I did want to. So you said Holly is Holly, correct? Was yeah. the first one, <laughs> the first right. horse who's still there. Yes. So we can go see her and see the inspiration for this incredible journey that you guys have created. So right. And Bell. <laughs> Bell was and the Bell. one that we from the the auction oh, okay. and yeah it's it's like she had that that you know that direct line to the universe and when yeah. we rescued her she she started the sanctuary like literally within 24 hours oh my goodness wonderful that's fantastic so um for you know before we close up and i want to be struggle of your time and everything is there any last bit of advice you have for someone maybe who who wants to help but maybe they can't open a sanctuary or do something what would be the one of the first things that they could do um to help in their local community or yeah. for you as well what what would you suggest yeah i think you know opening a sanctuary i, I wouldn't um advise very many people to open a sanctuary without truly going deep and understanding and which is also a part of what open sanctuary does it helps people mm -hmm. understand the true depths of you know, everything involved in running a sanctuary and it's highly complex and yeah. it's, um, you know, unlike with our dogs and cats, you know, it's, it's, it's much more medically required in, in farmed animals. Um, yeah. And it's, it's also very difficult to find veterinarians um, that understand and can treat farmed animals for their full life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think for anyone who wants to help animals, um, if you have a sanctuary close by, go volunteer, yeah. be a part of their community, help help them do their work because it is a very intensive amount of work. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and then and you know I think activism is great. You know, helping to spread 
the information is still great because that information build up then leads to that inspirational moment. You know, most people think that, you know, they went vegan when this one thing happened, but all the steps before that, that, you know, that informational, you know, layering and mm. the experience layering that, that had to happen for that inspirational moment to happen uh, is important. So there's, you know, all different ways of spreading that message and helping people you know, build those layers so that not one day they will have that inspirational moment. Mm. Um, so, you know, get involved in the, in the movement and, and, and in, in whatever way that you feel comfortable and help people um, build those moments. That's fantastic. It's just like, you know, you see people, you know, it's the Summer Olympics now and you're like, they make it look so easy, but it's all those small moments that made it to this point for them. That's, That's right. exactly right. It's that those collection of experiences and thoughts and emotions and interactions with others that really shape who you are at that moment and it might be the one moment that changes your life so absolutely so well thank you so much for your time and uh generosity and your giving to this world and uh, making it a better place for humans and animals and we really appreciate everything you guys are doing Lori, thank you it was such a pleasure speaking yeah absolutely Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go, though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms, such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. On Tuesdays, we upload The Doctors In. This is where I answer your questions. Thinking of that, could you please comment below any questions you might have about health or wellness or any topics that you would like me to cover? Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.